Welcome to The Truth for Today from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. I am Pastor Joe Faldette. Uh, today's sermon is entitled Fellowship. I pray that God would bless you through this and that you would grow in your relationship with him and indeed that you would grow in your relationship with others. Today's sermon is going to be taken from Judges 19 and I read in Jesus' name. In those days when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite was sojourning in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, who took to himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah, and his concubine was unfaithful to him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah, and there were some four and was there some four months. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. He had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys, and she brought him into her father's house. When the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. And his father-in-law, the girl's father, made him stay, and he remained with him three days. So they ate and drank and spent the night there. And on the fourth day, they arose early in the morning, and he prepared to go. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, Strengthen your heart with a morsel of bread, and after that you may go. So the two of them sat and ate and drank together, and the girl's father said to the man, Be pleased to spend the night, and let your heart be merry. And when the man rose up to go, his father-in-law pressed him, till he spent the night there again. And on the fifth day, he rose early in the morning to depart. And the girl's father said, Strengthen your heart and wait until the day, until the day declines. So they ate, both of them, and when the man and his concubine and his servant rose up to depart, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Behold, now the day has waned toward evening. Please spend the night. Behold, the day draws to its close. Lodge here and let your heart be merry. And tomorrow you shall arise early in the morning for your journey and go home. But the man would not spend the night. He rose up and departed and arrived opposite Jebus, that is, Jerusalem. He had with him a couple of saddled donkeys, and his concubine was with him. When they were near Jebus, the day was nearly over, and the servant said to his master, Come now, let us turn aside to this city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. And his master said to him, We will not turn aside to the city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will pass on to Gibeah. And he said to his young man, Come and let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night at Gibeah or at Ramah. So they passed on and went their way. And the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. And they turned aside there to go in and spend the night at Gibeah. And he went in and sat down in the open square of the city, for no one took him into his house to spend the night. And behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at evening. The man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning in Gibeah. The men of the place were Benjaminites. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, Where are you going? And where do you come from? And he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem and Judah to the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, from which I, from which I come. I went to Bethlehem and Judah, and I am going to the house of the Lord. And no one has taken me into, their house, into his house. We have straw and feed for our donkeys, with bread and wine for me and your female servant, and the young man with your servants. There is no lack of anything. And the old man said, Peace be to you. I will care for all your wants. Only do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him into his house and gave the donkeys feed. And they washed their feet and ate and drank. As they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, worthless fellows, 
surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, no, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not do this vile thing. Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you. But against this man, do not do this outrageous thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And as the dawn began to break, they let her, they let her go. And as morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. And her master rose up in the morning, and when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, behold, there was his concubine laying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let us be going. But there was no answer. And then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife and and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into twelve pieces and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study this text, this very, very serious text, I pray that you would bless us, open our hearts and our eyes to see what you have for us. Lord, that we might understand and that we might grow, that we might be humbled, Lord, and that we might learn to love our neighbor better. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all the good things you've given us. We pray that we would continue to walk in them. To the glory of your name, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is entitled Fellowship. And the reason that I entitled it Fellowship is because what we see here in this story is a breakdown of the sense of the fellow, the sense of the brother, the sense of the one that is near us, who is like us. And that's, that's what's being broken down at this point. That's what's happening here in this text. And actually, that's what's happening here in America too. And so I hope that as you listen to this sermon today, as you ponder these messages, that you really think about this and that you see further down the tube, further down the road, seeing what will come in our country if we continue to treat our fellow Americans as the other as we begin, the first question is, how does this fellowship, how does this sense of unity, how does that break apart? And it really, it's through deception. The first step is deception. Because as deception exists within a nation, deception exists amongst people, there's really a hard time as seeing that person who is lying to you as being your fellow, as being your brother, as being your sister, as being one who is like you. Because if they're lying to you, then you can't trust them. So the first thing that we see here, and there's a lot of stuff in this passage, but I'm, I'm just going to be talking about this fellowship. So the first thing, one of the first things we see is this concubine. Verse 2, And his concubine was unfaithful to him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah, and, there, and was there some four months. Now, 
as we've studied the book of Judges, we've seen how, how deeply and how important these vows are, how deeply they're held and how important they are to the people of Israel. That these vows are not just something taken willy-nilly, that they're not just something taken on the spur of the moment. Um, it's, this is a big deal. A vow is a big deal. So much so that Jephthah was willing to kill his daughter in order to keep her, his vow. That she was willing to die in order to let her dad keep his vow. You know, that was the depth of how they saw the vows. That your vow was worth more than your child. Now, he shouldn't have killed his daughter. But I went through that with Jephthah. Nevertheless, that's how strongly they held their vows. Because when you give your word to someone, you say, I will do this. That is telling that person, this is what you can expect out of me. This is who I am. And so the person that breaks their vows now becomes a person that can't be trusted. Because when they promise to do something, when they promise to be somewhere, when they promise to be someone, you can no longer trust them in that area. And so when vows are broken, when that sort of deception, that's not an intentional, not a long-term thought-out deception necessarily. That might be a spur-of-the-moment deception. And, you know, but you can't trust people in the long term. You can't rely on people to keep their word. You can't rely on people to be honest. When people are breaking their vows, people are breaking their promises, that breaks unity. It breaks that sense of the fellow, sense of the brother, the sense of the one that is like me. When people break their vows, you stop trusting them. And the foundation of fellowship is trust. The second deception that we see here is a deception really coming from the father-in-law. And the father-in-law, under the guise of oriental hospitality, keeps his son-in-law in his home. Now, he's excited to see them, and that's cool to see. Um, verse 3. And when her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back, he had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys, and she brought him into her father's house. So that's a good sign. And when the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. Another good sign. And his father-in-law, the girl's father, made him stay, and he remained with them him three days. Now, this wouldn't have been a crazy thing. You know, your father, you're going to your in-law's house, and you're going to stay there for a little while. It's quite a journey. You know, and so you're going to stay there for a while. You're going to hang out there. You're going to spend some time there. You're going to get reacquainted with the family. And now it's time to leave, though. Now it's time to leave. And so the father-in-law presses him. So um, verse 4. And on the fourth day, they arose early in the morning, and he prepared to go. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, Strengthen your heart with a morsel of bread, and after that you may go. Okay, no problem. But there he makes a promise. He makes a plan, and after that, you may go. This is the way that our world is going to be structured now. After that, you may go. Okay. So the two of them sat and drank together. But, and the girl's father said to the man, Be pleased to spend the night and let your heart be merry. Okay. No problem. Plans can change. No problem. And when the man arose to go, his father-in-law pressed him till he spent the night there again. So now we see this combat of wills. This was the plan, and now the father-in-law is changing it. 
And when the man arose to go, his father-in-law pressed him till he spent the night there again. And on the fifth day, he arose early in the morning to depart. And the girl's father said, strengthen your heart and wait until the day declines. Okay, we can change plans. No problem. So they ate, both of them. And when the man and his concubine and his servant rose to depart, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Behold, now the day is waned toward evening. So he's continuing to make these excuses. Make these excuses. Make these excuses. Changing plans, changing plans, changing plans. Behold, now the day is waned toward evening. Please spend the night. Behold, the day draws to its close. Another excuse. Lodge here and let your heart be merry. Again, changing of the plans. Changing of the situation, changing it based upon its desires. He's not keeping his word. He's not being honest. He's not being consistent. He's not being consistent. He's saying, this is what we're going to do. And then he changes it. He says, this is what we're going to do. And then he changes it. He says, this is what we're going to do. And then he changes it. Making excuses every time. Making excuses, making excuses. And tomorrow you shall arise early in the morning for your journey and go home. But... But the man would not spend the night. And so this is another place where we see this deception. It has is, it is come in so deeply into the culture that, that people can't be trusted. Now the son-in-law is no longer trusting his father-in-law to actually be true to his word. And so he can't stay another night because now he knows. Now he knows what's going to happen in the morning. It's just going to be more of the same thing. It's going to be more of the same thing. It's going to be more of the same thing. This is the pattern that he's seeing. The father-in-law promises something and then he presses them and makes excuses as to why he can't go. And so this trust level is being broken down and being broken down and being broken down. And that's something to be taken seriously as Americans, as Christians, as human beings. Because all throughout scripture, trust is the foundation of really who God is. We're called as Christians to have faith in God. Do you know what that means? That means that we are called to trust God. When God gives a promise, that he fulfills it. Not necessarily according to the way we want it fulfilled but according to his wisdom and his goodness. And so in that, we're called to trust God. We're called to trust him that his way actually is best, that his way is higher, that his way is wiser, that his way is better. That's what we're called to trust. And so this is foundational in Christianity. And so I, as a Christian, am supposed to represent God, meaning that in every way, shape, and form, as far as it's possible to me that I am supposed to be absolutely trustworthy, that I'm supposed to give my word and walk in that, that no matter how much I am ashamed of giving my word or the thing that I gave my word towards, no matter how much it pains me, as we're told in Psalms, that the man who will arise, who will ascend the holy hill is a man who swears to his own harm and fulfills his vow and keeps it. And so this is what God calls us to as Christians. And this is how we reunite that fellowship. It's by being trustworthy people. It's by being reliable people. This is what God is calling us to right now in America. That we who know God are supposed to walk in trustworthiness. That we are supposed to keep our vows. That we are supposed to keep our plans. That we are supposed to make a plan and keep it to the best of our abilities so that people will start to trust us. Because as people trust you, they can start to have fellowship with you. They know who they're dealing with now. And they no longer see you as some crazy animalistic other but rather you are 
you are someone that I can know. You are someone who is consistent. And that builds fellowship. And so in America right now, throughout this world, no matter where you are, I don't care. Maybe not America. Maybe you're in Spain. Maybe you're in Italy. I know that I have some listeners from there, which just blows my mind. Walk in faithfulness. Walk in trustworthiness. Walk in such a way that people, when they hear you speak, they say, I know that's true because he's never lied to me before. He has been consistent in that or she has been consistent in that. And that will build fellowship. That will build unity. That will build strength. Because when we don't trust, we start to see people as the other, as the foreigner. And that's what we come to in this next passage. Because the Levite leaves. The Levite leaves. He leaves his father-in-law. He brings his concubine and his servant with him. And they, they start walking towards Shiloh, where the house of the Lord is. And they pass by Jerusalem, which was inhabited by Jebusites. Now, the Jebusites weren't Israelites. We don't know exactly what they were. Uh, probably some sort of Canaanite, but we don't know for sure. And so, but they were a foreigner. They were foreign people. They were not Israelites. And so the Levite didn't want to stay with them because they weren't Israelites. They weren't like me. They're the foreigner. They are the other. And we see then how the Levite is treating these people, how he thinks about them. The servant has no problem. For whatever reason, the servant says, hey, here's a city. Let's turn in here. Someone will bring us into their home because this is still the oriental culture. Hospitality was huge. Hospitality was a big deal. It was, you know, <laughs> I don't, we don't have any sort of form in America that looks like the oriental hospitality. None. None. It doesn't even exist. It doesn't exist within American culture right now. We don't have anything that rises to that level of sacredness because hospitality was a thing of sacredness. But you don't want to go to hospitality to the other because they're the other. You don't know how they're going to treat you. You don't know what they're going to think of you. You know, these are foreigners. They don't have the same rights. They don't have the same laws. They don't have the same um, rituals, right, R-I-T-E, not R-I-G-H-T. And so they don't have the same way of doing things. I don't want to go to them. That's going to be awkward. That's going to be hard. That's going to be difficult. And so the Levites looking at those Jebusites, those who are outside of the covenant of God, as being someone other. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be with them. Let's go to Israelites. Let's go to Israelites. And there we'll find fellowship. And there we'll find unity. And there we'll find someone like us. But then he goes down to Gibeah. And what happens then? Verse 15. Well, I'll read 14 as well. So they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah. So it's night, which belongs to Benjamin. And they turned aside there to go in and spend the night at Gibeah. And he went in and sat down in the open square of the city, for no one took them into his house to spend the night. So now he's in Israel at land. He's come late. But nevertheless, the fact that he's come late should mean that he has better opportunity because people are around. He goes and he sits down in the town square. Now, this isn't a huge city. Sits down in the town square so people are going to be passing by. People are going to be going home. People are going to be coming back from work and they just keep walking. And they just keep walking. 
and they just keep walking, there is nobody that's going to bring this man into his home. We don't know if he's asking. We don't know how he's approaching this, but there's nobody to bring him in. You know, he's obviously a traveler sitting there with his servant and his concubine and his donkey or donkeys, a couple of saddled donkeys. And so he had a couple of donkeys there. He's obviously a traveler. He looks like a traveler. And yet the people of Benjamin, they just keep walking. We don't know you. Who are you? We're not letting you into our home. We're not letting you into our fellowship. We're not letting you into the group of fellow people. We're not letting you into our family. We're not going to be hospitable to you. Everyone except this foreigner, this other outcast. He's a sojourner, this old man. Behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at evening. The man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning at Gibeah. Why was he there? He was just staying there for a little while. Who knows why exactly? He was a master of his own home. He had a daughter, you know. The men of the place were Benjaminites. So this was an Ephraimite staying in Benjamin. He had probably, to some extent, experienced this outcast sort of lifestyle. He's a pilgrim. He is a sojourner. He's not someone who's necessarily going to be staying here. This isn't his home. This, isn't his, this is not his inheritance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? And so they have a nice little chat. And he, the guy says, hey, I got everything I need. I won't be a burden to you. And the old man says, no, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of everything. Just don't stay here. Because the old man knows that there's something going on. The old man knows that this isn't the good place to be. And so the old man shows him hospitality, brings him into his home. And, and that's what we as Christians, we as Christians specifically, are called to be doing. Because this is foundational in evangelism. This is foundational in building the church of Christ. This is foundational in, um, in building up nominal Christians. And so whether you're evangelizing non-Christians or you're building up nominal Christians or you're discipling already Christians that aren't quite as mature as you are in some place, it's through hospitality. It's through hospitality that we build people up. We let them into our lives and we enter into theirs. You know, this is what Jesus did for us. He built this world for us and then he became part of it. He was incarnate. He tabernacled amongst us. A temporary dwelling place. This is what Christ did. He became incarnate. He became as we are so that he might have fellowship with us at our level. And that's what we as Christians are called to do. That is the center of hospitality. To reach out. To invite in. To come and share in my life. Come and see See what we do. See who we are. Come and be with us. Come and be a part of us. Now, a couple of weeks ago here at Hosanna, uh, Edgar Sanchez talked about the didache and how in the early church, um, someone wasn't allowed into the church for about a year. About a year. So a, a pagan person, you know, you'd be speaking to a pagan person about Jesus and he goes, I, you know, I want to be a Christian. Well, then you, you disciple that person for a year according to the didache. Disciple that person for a year. And after that year, when that person's been discipled, when he's showing fruits, you know, when he's really been invested in this, in Christ, then you bring him into the church. And that's what you do. That's how you do that for the safety of the church. Because the church was being persecuted at that time. And so you put yourself at risk 
but you protected the church for the sake of the new believer. You put yourself at risk because that person might be an informant. That person might be a spy. But what do you do? You bring them into your life, into your life as an, as an individual. Here in America, we try to get people into the church. No, that's not the way to do it. We bring people into our lives. We bring people and we teach them about how we walk with Jesus. That's the foundation of hospitality, our relationship with God. We bring them in. We make fellowship with them. We build them up so that they might see Jesus in our lives in every aspect of who we are. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to be hospitable, to bring people in, to have fellowship with them, to extend them that olive branch of trust, even though they haven't earned it. That's going to be easier for some than others, but we're all called to be doing it in order to be an overseer of a congregation, a bishop, an overseer of the congregation. According to 1 Timothy 3, you need to be hospitable. This is supposed to be part of your personality that you're supposed to let people into your lives. Into your home. So this is what we are called to do. This is what we see the old man doing. This is what we see the Levite not doing with the Jebusites. And this is what we see the Benjaminites not doing with the Levite. See them keeping them off as the other. Because when you don't have fellowship with someone, when you don't bring them in in hospitality, you're telling them you are other. You are a foreigner to me. I'm not going to let you into my life. I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to treat you like a fellow human being. And when we stop treating others like fellow human beings, we start to use them. We start to use them where there isn't that sense of the fellow. Like this is a person like me. This is a human like me. This is a person that has dignity. This is a person who's created in the image of God. This isn't just some other, some crazy person. This isn't some animal. This isn't some rock that screams. That's not who this is. This is a person with a soul and with thoughts and with feelings. This is a person. This is someone with value, intrinsic worth. All men are created equal. It's the foundation of America. This idea that my fellow man is equal with me. And therefore is deserving of dignity that has value. If I think I have value, then every human being around me has value. If I think I have dignity, then every human being around me has dignity. If I think I'm worthy of being trusted, then to some degree, every human being around me is worthy of some sort of trust. But where that is lacking, where I'm seeing people as the other, as the foreigner, what happens? then we're free to use them, to abuse them, to take, to violate, to violate the other. We can do that. That's what we see the Benjaminites doing. Beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house that we may know him. They are planning on violating this Levite. They're planning on violating the other. Now this is, I don't, this is a sexual term. I know people argue against that. That's because they don't understand Hebrew. This is a sexual term. And so they are planning to violate this man for their passing pleasure. That's what they're doing. 
They are willing to abuse this man just to satisfy their temporary lust. This isn't something they need. This isn't something that's necessary for them. This isn't something that they're going to die without. They're not propagating their line. They're not doing any of that stuff. They're just slaking their lust. That's it. That's how low they see this man. We're going to destroy you for the sake of our temporary pleasure. That's what they do to his concubine. Not only do they use her, they abuse her. They torture her for pleasure. That's all they're doing. They abuse her until the morning. This is hard for me. This is disgusting to see. And this is terrifying to me. Because when we start to see other people as the other, as being lower than me, as not being valuable, as not being worthy of dignity, then we're going to start to see this stuff rise in America. And believe it or not, brothers and sisters, we're seeing this stuff rise in America. And this is terrifying. But then what happens? 24. Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you. But against this man, do not do this outrageous thing. And so there we got the man and the man protecting each other. They see themselves as fellows. But the virgin daughter and the concubine, no, we'll get rid of them. So they're willing to sacrifice someone else. Someone's coming. We'll be right back. And we're back. So, when I left, we were talking about sacrifice and the willingness then to sacrifice those close to you or those, even those close to you, like your concubine and your virgin daughter because they're not you. And so this this sense of the other goes deeper and deeper into the lives of the people. Because there in verse 25, but the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And so what's going on here? The man is taking that which is close to him, but because that which is close to him is not him. Because there's still this separation within this relationship. That he is not there protecting her. He is not there seeing her as valuable as himself. She is the other. She is female, but still that's other. You know, the head of the household didn't sacrifice himself. The head of the household didn't say, I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to cast out this other man. No, it was, it was really came down to, to sex. Which, which sex are they? You know, are they the man or the woman? And so then they cast out the woman. This, the Levite cast out the woman because, again, he's seeing her as other. She has less value. She has less place. She has less dignity than he has. And so she can be abused. I can let her be abused. And so this willingness to sacrifice the other, I'm willing for someone else to be sacrificed in order to protect me. They are not me. They are other. They are not my fellow. They don't have the same dignity. I'm not laying down my life for them. I'm laying down their life for me. 
And so then this willingness to sacrifice the other is a demonstration of this lack of fellowship. This lack of the idea that the other person has as much value, as much dignity as I have. But the scary thing about that is we're starting to see this sort of stuff in America. We're starting to see this sort of stuff here in the land, in the home of the free and the brave. This is what we're starting to see. And that, that is the end. That brings an end. Verse 30. And all who saw it said such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. And so the people of Israel were saying, this is too far. This is bringing an end. We will bring an end to this. And then that brings us into the punishment upon them. In verse 20, Israel's war with the tribe of Benjamin. And we start to see then battle in between the peoples because of the depth of the sin that starts with deception, that breaks those bonds, that grows into this viewing of someone else as the other. And then since they're the other, I can then take advantage of them. That taking advantage, that using them, that's just a fruit. That's a fruit but that's a fruit that only comes about when the sin runs so deep. The sin runs so deep that it's all throughout the culture. And so now this is a time for us as Christians. Because I'm guessing that Christians are listening to this. This is a time for us as Christians to first off be trustworthy, to build those bonds of fellowship to build those bonds of trust. And secondly, as we're building those bonds of trust, to build those bonds of hospitality, to let others into our lives, to extend to them trust, to say, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust you to come in. This doesn't mean that you bring them all the way in. No, not necessarily but that you extend to them that trust and give them the opportunity they themselves of failing, of breaking that trust. We have to give them that opportunity. Because if we don't start this, if we don't become the change that we want to see in this world, if we don't do that, then this is the logical conclusion. There's going to be use. There's going to be abuse. There's going to be the sacrifice of the other. And it's all going to come down upon itself. Then there will become infighting. An actual battle, an attack. We don't want that. We don't want to see that. So brother and sister, let's stand Let's stand for what is right and walk in that righteousness. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this text. Thank you for the warnings that it contains. And I pray that we would walk in humility and in grace. 
Lord, that your love would shine forth through us. That we would walk in consistency and trustworthiness. That we would live in hospitality. Lord, inviting others in. Humbling ourselves. Lord, loving you. Because we don't want that end. Lord, where we have sinned. Where we have failed in these things, we pray that you would forgive us. And we thank you then for forgiveness and the call to sin no more. To stand and to walk in righteousness and holiness. Father, we thank you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.